Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The jazz session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. Today's guest is pianist and singer Patty Wicks. From her new album, Dedicated To, this is The Song Is You. My guest is pianist and vocalist Patty Wicks. She's got a brand new album out with her Italian trio, along with a special guest Scott Hamilton. It's called Dedicated To, and it is my pleasure to welcome Patty to the jazz session. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm just delighted to be on your show. Well, let me start right off with uh, a huge uh, thank you to you. When I was raising money here in the jazz session uh, for the Lance Armstrong Foundation and the fight against cancer, you were one of the artists who stepped up and generously uh, donated and some autographed music for me to give away as prizes, and uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks very much. Oh, well, thank you. I was just uh, delighted to help because it's a wonderful cause, and uh, congratulations to you for raising the money and the, the bike ride and all. And, yeah, it's a very, very worthy cause. Well, let's. Uh, your own personal story is is really inspiring, and uh, I'd like people to hear it. And if you don't mind, I mean, I'd, I'd kind of like to start right at the beginning and talk about the fact that uh, you were born with some impairment to your eyesight, right? Yeah, I was uh, uh, born. I was a premature baby. As uh, I understand, either it's uh, because of the late development of the eyes, or maybe oxygen in the incubator. I can't remember now one of them, but at any rate, uh, that's what. Uh, made my, uh, my vision impaired, yeah, very nearsighted. So can you talk about the first time you, you played the piano and your parents were kind of uh, amazed to discover what you were able to do? Oh, yeah, as uh, the way my, my family told it to me, to my mother, it was around Christmas time and I was three, and my mother had been playing, uh, I guess, a Christmas carol, she was playing something on the piano, and she stepped out of the room for the minute and she came back and and there I was sitting at the piano, and I just played back exactly the song that she had just finished playing. And, of course, she was stunned, <laughs> and uh, she was quite surprised. And uh, so, of course, they, uh, uh, my parents uh, decided to try to find a teacher to uh, give me piano lessons. And they auditioned a few teachers. Uh, some of them didn't really know what to do with me because I was too young. 
And, of course, I couldn't see, so they couldn't teach the standard way where you teach the lines and the spaces and the notes. And, and so my mother finally found a, a lady who was a daughter of uh, the, one of the best piano teachers in town, and she was a young Juilliard graduate. And she was delighted to, to uh, teach me. And my mother brought me over, and she said, oh, I'd love to work with her, you know, and uh, see what I can do. And she was very innovative, and she would play a song, and I would play it after her on the piano, and then she would show me all the, the fingerings and, you know, the, the pedal markings and dynamic or whatever it was on the page that I couldn't see. So that's how I learned. I played by ear, uh, you know, for the first six years that I played, and then, you know, I started to learn sight reading, but I've never been very good at it. <laughs> It it seems like I mean obviously no one would wish to be born with their vision impaired, but it seems like no. the particular skills that you had to draw on, I guess I would guess have served you well as you've gone through your jazz career, right? Because listening is so essential, uh, and reacting to what's happening around you is so essential to improvising. Oh yes, yes it is. And by listening, because I learned the songs off of the records, whether it was uh, you know popular music or I, I loved to. Some of the Broadway musicals as I got older, too. I loved things like Paul Game Bass and West Side Story because the music was so interesting. And all kinds of music. And it gave me uh, not only uh, for improvising, but also thinking as the piano as like an orchestra rather than just this instrument that you play with scales and, you know, technical runs. And just, you know, it, I, I, I think it makes me think about the piano in a different way. And, and so, talk a little more about that. What impact does that have on your playing? I mean, can you can you give me an example of how thinking of the piano as an orchestra changes what you do uh, at the piano? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think for me, I think as um, an arranger and an orchestrator, harmony and rhythm are are more of interest and, and more. I think my strong points. I've never been, you know, a technical whiz. Uh, it's never been technique. Has never been. My absolute strong point, uh, you know, if I have to burn a little bit of a solo as long as it's not too long, <laughs> no. but, um, you know, I've just, I know people that have incredible technique, you know, uh, the, the Art Tatum and Oscar Peterson School and, and the uh, players today like Benny Green and uh, this young Eldar, and they're, oh, there are tons of them, and they're marvelous, and it's wonderful, and uh, I admire them for it, but it's just not been the thing that I gravitated towards. I was more interested in harmony, you know, and the chord voicings and, and the total, the texture and the total sound uh, uh, rather than just isolating uh, a certain, you know, the right hand uh, as being uh, my uh, preference or strong point, if you will. So like, maybe that's how it's affected me. Now, I'm going to come back to the chronological story in a minute, but you also sing, and when you sing, you accompany yourself at the piano. Does this uh, this kind of orchestral approach to the piano, uh, does that make uh, integrating your voice into the mix a little bit easier? You know, I, I've never really thought about it. I mean, I just, I do it. I've just done it for so long, and I've always been used to playing and singing it at, at the same time from, you know, when I was playing things off the records or... Whatever, so I never, I, I never really thought about it. But uh, when accompanying myself, I do think uh, more, and I love accompanying other singers too. Uh, uh, thinking more in, 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 as an arranger or orchestrator, uh, rather than just playing piano accompaniment for myself. So I, it, 
the, the ideal goal, I think, of course, is to have you know a seamless thing where it's the most complementary and you know works uh, whatever uh, uh, song that you're that you're playing. Uh, trying not to get in the way of yourself or getting in the way of someone else with, as a singer. And for me, I've just always done what I've always done, so I've never really thought about it. very thought of you And I forget to do The very simple Ordinary things That everyone ought to do I'm living in a kind of daydream I'm happy as a king And foolish though it may seem To me you're everything The mere idea of you. Now, uh, you and I uh, went to the same college, although you graduated and I was, I think, run out of town on a rail would be a, a fair way to put it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we both went to the Crane School of Music, which is at the, the State University of New York at Potsdam, and uh, very far north of anything, except Canada. Uh, and I wonder how your years at the Crane School influenced your decision and your ability to pursue a career as a jazz musician. Well, that was really where I really, really developed my my uh, passion for jazz, and really was exposed to it a great deal. Because uh, growing up, uh, my high school, uh, we didn't have the strongest music department, and uh, there was not that much interest in music. So I really didn't get exposed to a lot of it, you know, other than what I heard at home and you know independently. But I really got into jazz when I when I was in college. My major teacher, my piano teacher, James Ball, who was a phenomenal musician, great classical player, great jazz player. And uh, now I'm talking uh, back in the day here now where we uh, uh, didn't have iPods or any of that. They had a turntable and speakers on the wall of, of the classrooms or the studios. It sounds terrible. Records. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, oh, I'm not going to tell you, I was just thinking the other day, like, uh, 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 how many years ago I graduated from college, and the realization was absolutely frightening. <laughs> but meanwhile, back in the classroom, I would walk in for my, my uh, piano lesson, and James, Mr. Ball, would have maybe uh, a Bessie Smith album on, Bobby Hutcherson, or Miles, or Bill Evans, or all different kinds of, of jazz. So there was not this... Uh, you know, separation like there weren't as many uh, schools as there are now. You know, uh, with jazz programs and jazz was still considered like that illegitimate music in a lot of circles. But uh, fortunately, we, you know, we had enlightened folk there in 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 uh, Potsdam and at Crane, and so that and also uh, listening. I had a couple of friends that 
at uh, Jazz Records, and I got to hear Miles Davis and Bill Evans, Hal Miller, uh, who I'm sure you probably know. How uh, I met him, he was, I believe, a senior when I was a freshman, and so he, he was teaching in the area after he graduated, and I met him, uh, and uh, he really, really helped introduce me to jazz. I mean, you know, I was like a sponge, you know, and he would suggest records for me to listen to or loan me albums. He had a, a marvelous uh, album collection back then, and um, he would say, well, you know, there's a nice Miles album, or, you know, why don't you listen to this, you know, and he seemed to know what I was ready to hear and what I was just so, you know, starved to, to absorb, if you will. It was just like, wow, you know, it was incredible. So, I mean, I was just like in hog heaven. Uh, listening to all these uh, records, and of course I learned a lot of the songs from the albums, uh, as I'd done everything else. So um, I got to hear the the uh, and play the arrangements and, and the songs, uh, the original people that had written and recorded them. And uh, that's that was my why my one thing with with with, uh, with the real book, where they're better now than they used to be. But in the beginning, a lot of them were students transcribing from records, and they did a pretty good job some of them did an excellent job but sometimes some of the songs the melodies were not correct or the chord changes weren't right and they weren't getting to hear the real deal people were learning off the page but they weren't getting the, the real deal and uh now they're much uh, much uh better done you know that's not the best grammar in the world but uh, they're, they're they're better than they, they used to be so the records you know there was nothing nothing like the real thing <laughs> and even in my day, uh, to get one of those kind of real books, that was where you had to go to the music shop, and you know the guy would like take you in a room in the back, and there'd be a box under the piano where the where the real books were. Nowadays, I mean, it's a it's a commercial product, but oh yeah, those are the oh, good yeah. old days when you kind of felt like you were smuggling something out of the music shop. Oh yeah, that you weren't supposed to have on the corner, like you know, like uh, you want to buy a real book? You That's know? Right. Like, rather like the bootlegging <laughs> of the booze, you know, it's funny. In the t- <laughs> hey kid, you need some charts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Edward G. Robinson comes out like, hey, I got some beef on John you know. <laughs> now, uh, when you were at, when you were at Crane, um, I mean, jazz has never been an easy business, uh, particularly for women who were kind of out of the like chick singer mold. I mean, if you were if you were doing anything other than fronting a band as a vocalist, it seems like it's always been a tough climb. When you were at Crane, did becoming a professional jazz pianist seem like an achievable goal? Yeah, and I, I, I never uh, thought of it as, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, a gender issue, actually, really. And when uh, I was there, in fact, I, I did, uh, when I was a junior, um, I did a, a job with uh, the then uh, uh, head of the percussion department. His name was Sandy Feldstein. And uh, Mike Wicks, who was playing bass at the time, he was, uh, in, you know, in... He's doing a double major, and uh, at any rate, uh, we were playing. One day, I was playing something for him in uh, one of the rooms, and he went out and got Sandy Felstein and, and had him come back in and had me play and sing again, whatever it was I did, you know. And uh, so Sandy uh, came up to me in the hall uh, one day, and he said, "Are you busy Friday night?" <laughs> and I always had to laugh at this story. We laughed years later. And I thought he was asking me out on a date. <laughs> and I said, 
well, uh, uh, Mr. Felsen, I don't think uh, uh, it's appropriate for students to be going out. And he goes, no, 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 man, no, 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 no. No, he said, I want you to play this gig Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so, oh, okay. So it turned out to be, it was a trio. There was a, at that time, they had a chain of uh, theaters and uh, hotel. It was called the Shine Inn in Messina, which was way up north of Potsdam. And uh, they had a little lounge, and uh, myself and, and Mike and Sandy, and I don't remember if there was a horn player or not. But anyway, that was, you know, like one of my, my first uh, gigs. And then uh, I my stand-up vocal gig, I sang for a little bit uh, with... Uh, the Varsity Jazz Band, which John LaBarber was uh, uh, writing and arranging for and, and uh, running that band before he had left to go to Berkeley. And uh, so that was fun. But except when you had to get up like 8 o'clock in the morning to go play a concert at St. Lawrence College or, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was a little like, what? But uh, but it was it was fun, and I, I really enjoyed it. Of course, like, you know, the, you know, Killer Arrangers was a great band. And uh, I enjoyed that, you know, having a big band behind you when you're singing you know it's a it's it, it's a thrill i you know of course prefer playing and, and singing in a smaller setting trio you know or but uh it, the big band thing was fun too well what is it about trio playing uh, that attracts you or, or kind of more more intimate playing that attracts you yeah i think it's because it's uh more of a, of a chance to have a musical conversation um, I mean, you you can you know in, in a quartet too, but I think it, it's just there's something about about the, the the intimacy of a trio, and um, you can have a wonderful dialogue, you know, with the, with the right bassist and drummer, and it's just it's it's just like my favorite setting. I love playing with horn players too, and I've had an opportunity to play with some marvelous ones over the years. I enjoy that too. But I just I like I like uh, the trio I like piano trio, especially singing. You know when when you have a trio and and, and, and a vocalist, you know it's just yeah. This is my 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 preference. So when you left the Crane School, Patty, what was the next step for you? Well, I uh, taught school and I played uh, locally in the Albany area for um, well, about a year and a half, two years, and then I left. Uh, the end of the I left for New York because I knew if I was going to play jazz and really be a jazz musician, you got to go where the musicians are and where it's really happening. And so I moved to New York City, lived very frugally, <laughs> and uh, went around and and you know you go to clubs and uh, uh, sit in and play and meet people and and uh, uh, I met some you know wonderful musicians and. Uh, bass player that took me around to clubs and, and uh, musicians that he knew and then you start getting calls for gigs and it was slow in the beginning but you know I started uh, getting calls for gigs and doing it and uh, people were, were really encouraging and supportive I mean people like Cedar Walton used to invite me to sit in he and uh, Sam Jones and Billy Higgins of course that was their core trio uh, when, and then, of course, the guys would go work with other, uh, other people, too. But Cedar invited me to sit in, and uh, I, you know, I had gotten a gig or two that way, and uh, which was really neat. And, and just, you know, other people, uh, you know, I, I found that it was a very, um, that was the last of the time in New York where it was a, a civilized, uh, you know, 
congenial, open, and people were encouraging and helpful. And well, you could go into a room and I, you know, play places like Bradley's and things where you would go in five nights a week for a couple of weeks at a time, and you could get on a circuit. And there were places that we would all play Gregory's and the Angry Squire, and you know, the, when the Village Gate was still having music and, and and different places, and you could stay on a circuit and keep working all year. And I, of course, singing, I also worked on the Upper East Side in uh, a lot of the uh, bots, as they say. And I uh, learned a whole different set of, of music that way, too. I was introduced to a whole different world. The Mabel Mercer and Bobby Short and uh, the music, Cy Coleman, and, and, and Col- so a whole different uh, uh, set of music was open to me. Uh, you've recorded uh, quite a number of, of albums and with a lot of great people, but you've also you've made several records recently or in the last several years with your Italian uh, trio, yeah, um, yeah, which is uh, bassist Giovanni Sanguinetti and mm-hmm. uh, Giovanni Galino on drums. Yeah. What is it about Italy that's that's been such a good musical home for you, and about these two guys in particular? Well, I owe it and a great deal of my career really to the internet over the last uh, since. 2002, Giovanni Sanguinetti found me because I, I belong to this uh, Songbirds, which is an, an internet discussion group. Uh, David Torrison, who's also on Facebook, uh, a man from Washington who is very knowledgeable about music and had years ago had started uh, the site because he was very much a lover and a knowledgeable of the music of Peggy Lee. And so he was wanting to start a discussion group of people who were interested in Peggy Lee's music and the music of the Great American Songbook and the classic singers uh, of the songs. And that's how Songbirds got uh, started in the late 90s. And I had gotten my computer in 2001. And so my first CD was recorded with Don Payne and John Yarling. We did a CD, of Room at the Top, and came out in 1998. And Nick Anderson, who also belonged to Songbirds, had lives in Seattle area and he heard it on the radio and he hunted it down and found it posted about it on Songbirds and other people and you know they got interested and wanted to know how they could get it 
And so my friend Marla forwarded along the emails about my uh, CD posting, and so I emailed back, said, thank you very much, blah, 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 why don't you join Songbirds? Oh, okay. And Nick designed me a web page so that people could buy my CDs online. And that's how Giovanni Sanguinetti contacted me. He, he ordered the CD. I mailed it to him, and he uh, emailed me back and said, oh, it's a wonderful album. He said, I'd love to have you come play in Italy. If we can put together a tour, would you be interested in coming? And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious, it's Christmas about Santa Claus. I'm there. <laughs> and, and so they made this wonderful little tour for me. And the summer of 2003, uh, which oddly enough was... Uh, the uh, launch or the release of my second, uh, the Max Jazz album, Love Locked Out, uh, I was on a plane to Italy and performing my first concert for the Livorno Jazz Festival and fell in love with it. And these two guys were great players and just sweet as they could be, and it's just become like my second family. And I love it. I've been going over and playing and recording at least like twice a year. I go over and, and, and do a tour with them. And... Uh, just love it i love it and the audiences are unbelievable and it's like what huh is there anybody else you mean me you know because they, they go crazy they love the music and they're very much tuned in to the songs the music the passion the feeling the connection even if they don't understand all of the the english lyrics they're getting the the, the message the emotion you know, because I like to connect with my listeners, and it's uh, a thing where, and it's just so rewarding, and they they pick, pick right up on it, and they just love music, uh, and they love art. They've, they've such a reverence for life over there, I find, everything. They're very family-oriented, and uh, just really, really neat people, neat people, and I love it. So it's just been such a a gift for me and uh you know couldn't ask for a better side man and you know just so i'm very very thankful for that all because of the internet <laughs> that's a pretty amazing story and it sounds like you found yourself a, a great home away from home yeah uh, across yes. the pond well uh, giovanni and giovanni are on this new record uh, dedicated to uh, as is scott hamilton can you talk about uh, why you chose uh, scott for this record well uh giovanni galino the the drummer uh, had started the label too. That uh, Gecko Records is his label. The previous CD we did, it's a good day. Just the trio was the first uh, CD he launched on his his uh, label. And um, then when we did uh, uh, the, this new one, and he had said uh, he'd like to have a horn player because we'd we'd done uh, had a guest horn player Johnny Boss, who unfortunately passed away, was on uh, a couple of tracks on our previous CD called Italian Sessions. And the, the one before that, uh, Claudio uh, Chiaro, who's a marvelous alto player, uh, was the guest and, and played on that. And so we did the trio one, and then, and then Giovanni said, oh, I'd love to have a horn player play again. And he said, do you have any suggestions? And I knew that Scott Hamilton had moved to Italy because he'd been here uh, doing a concert for my friend Susan Merritt has the Jazz Arts Music Society of the Palm Beaches Jams here, and she brings in... Uh, a lot of great people for her concert. She's had the Jeff Hamilton group. She's had Tierney Sutton, and she's had the, the John Clayton and everybody. And so Scott Hamilton was here um, oh, a little over a year ago, 
uh, yeah, about a year and a half ago. And we got talking and uh, after the concert, and he said, yeah, he said, I live in Italy now. And I said, oh, you know, and so he, you know, he gave me his address and email address and all that, and so let's stay in touch, blah, blah, blah. So when Giovanni asked me, did I have any suggestions, I said, what about Scott Hamilton? I said, he's a wonderful player. I said, he lives outside of Milan now. And uh, um, if he's available, I'm sure that, you know, it would be great, and, and, and I'd love to do it. And so Giovanni said, well, oddly enough, he was going to be doing a concert with Scott Hamilton and I can't Milan or Rome or something. And so he said, I will ask him about it. And he did, and so Scott said, I'd love to. And so I flew over in uh, December, this past December, and we made the album, and we had a ball. Just had a ball. Shabby, shabba, va, 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 di, lo, do, va, 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 di, va, 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 Each kiss, each hug is just like a drug. You're getting to be a habit with me. Let me stay in your arms. I'm addicted to your charms. You're getting to be a habit with me I used to think your love was something that I could take or leave alone But now I know I've got to have my supply Need you for my own Ooh, I can't break away I must have you every day As regularly as coffee or tea You got me in your clutches And I can't get free You're getting to be a habit with me You're such a habit with me You are getting to be Such a habit with me You're such a habit with me That's Patty Wicks from her album Dedicated To. You've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. 
Every episode of The Jazz Session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way to win free music. You can sign up at thejazzsession.com. If you're on Facebook, there's a group for The Jazz Session, and I give away music there, too. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this program. You'll find them online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also go to Dave Vrabel, who has designed multiple logos for the Jazz Session over its run so far. This show is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. And I have a vague idea what that means. You can get yourself an equally vague idea by visiting the Jazz Session and clicking on the link at the bottom of the page. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. <laughs>